Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And for all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience who are heart healthy, heart aware, and who want more information about the most important organ in our bodies, today's Inside Science interview is just for you. Thank you so much for listening. We've got another great guest today whom I will introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 667th episode, and I spoke to author Anastasia Marks de Salcido, who has written the excellent new book about diet and health, Eat Like a Pig, Run Like a Horse, How Food Fights Hijacked Our Health and the New Science of Exercise. This is a great title. And it's a great interview. Two weeks ago, in another great interview, I spoke to Smithsonian associate and host of the popular PBS series, Bare Feet, with Michaela Malazzi. Wonderful stuff. If you missed those shows, you can go back and check them out, along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. And if you leave a review... We'll read it at the end of each show. I've got another great interview for you today, along with a great review from Apple Podcasts. Elon Musk said, I think it matters whether someone has a good heart. We will learn today what a good heart is. Your heart is a miracle in motion, a marvel of construction unsurpassed by any human-made creation. It beats 100,000 times every single day. If you were to live to 100, that would be more than 3 billion beats across your lifespan. Incredible stuff. Despite decades of efforts in labs all over the world, we have not yet been able to replicate the heart's perfect engineering. We all take our hearts for granted, but not our guest today, Smithsonian Associate Dr. Sean Harding, a world leader in cardiac research, explores the relationship between emotions and heart function, revealing to us that the heart not only responds to our emotions, but it also creates them as well. Dr. Harding will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up via Zoom. You'll find all the details on our website. Drawing from her new book, The Exquisite, machine, Dr. Sean Harding tells us about the evolutionary forces that have shaped the heart's response to damage, the astonishing, rejuvenating power of stem cells, how we can avoid heart disease, and why it can be so hard to repair a damaged heart. Dr. Harding will read from her upcoming book, The Exquisite Machine, in just a moment, and she will tell us about all of these cutting-edge technologies all of these clinical trials that will lead to new solutions to curing the world's leading cause of death, heart disease, the data, the insights, and the sheer force of research numbers. This is the chapter on, on big data, so it comes part of the way through the book, but I thought it would be interesting as this is now being applied to the heart. So, science can be a bit of a bruising business. Disagreements about a hypothesis or experimental results can become very heated. Maybe researchers from one university can't repeat the result of another, or drug companies are complaining they don't get the same results as university researchers. Murmurs of incompetence or worse come from both sides and rational debate deteriorates into name-calling. There can be plenty of genuine reasons for a lack of reproducibility in experiments. Animal resources vary with the season. Cell lines can alter in culture. Sometimes we just don't know why one scientist will have green fingers. Their experiments just seem to work 
and another one doesn't. Uh, but, uh, but after all, everybody's pastry is slightly different, and that's just flour, butter, and water. But critically, we are beginning to understand that one key reason for the disputes and conflicts is that studies from individual labs are just too small. They don't have the statistical power or sheer force of numbers to understand the effects of very small but vitally important biological differences. If you toss a coin four times, you have a reasonable chance of getting heads every time. If you toss it 400,000 times, the chance of heads will be almost exactly 50%. This is a physical law, the law of large numbers. This power is glaringly obvious in the nature versus nurture genetic studies, which try to tease out which of our features are laid down in our genes and which are formed later by our environment. Scientists knew that certain genetic traits like intelligence, mental problems and weight were strongly inherited. Identical twins who had been adopted by different families almost completely resembled their biological parents and not their adoptive ones. But when they tried to find the genes involved, individual lab laboratories were coming up with very different answers. It took a much larger groupings. In fact, alliances and networks of labs working together to understand the truth that there are many genes involved in creating something like intelligence, but each gene contributes only a tiny part of the final effect. For things like intelligence, we're looking for a wide sprinkling of gold dust, multiple small gene changes, not nuggets, rare gene mutations. The larger the group of patients tested, the more accurate the prediction of the sum of these microscopic gene effects. For the heart, there are quite a few nuggets, rare single gene mutations that cause a certain type of heart disease, such as sudden cardiac death, heart enlargement or inborn abnormalities of the heart structure. But more common conditions, such as the coronary heart disease that leads to heart attacks or the arrhythmia of atrial fibrillation, have been tough to pin to a single gene. When we first studied all possible genes from cardiac patients, we hoped to find new insights into the disease. However, the results did not tell us much more than we already knew that things like smoking and diabetes were important risks. Now we realise that these common disorders are much more like mental disease or weight, where many small genetic influences add up to our lifetime's risk. So now we are scaling up the genetic analysis for heart disease with larger and larger populations to help calculate what is called a polygenic risk score. For each person, which is a sum of the individual small risks produced by many gene changes. Using this score, we can predict a patient's risk more accurately than from one component alone. So the lesson has been learned. Bigger is better. Scientists, universities and whole countries are building up groups called cohorts of healthy volunteers or patients who are willing to share their information or even submit to special testing. The more people in your cohort, the more and better information to accompany the genetic data, the more valuable they are. We look at the effects not only of genes, but also environment and lifestyle on these very large numbers of people. Paradoxically, our vision is that this will let us plan treatments uniquely targeted at an individual patient. Precision medicine or personalized medicine, as this is called, will allow us to get away from the old idea of a one-size-fits-all therapy. That, of course, is our guest today, Smithsonian Associate Dr. Sean Harding, reading from her excellent new book, The Exquisite Machine. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Inside Science interview series on radio and podcast author, scientist, and researcher, Dr. Sean Harding. Dr. Sean Harding, welcome to the program. 
Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's a great pleasure. It is a pleasure to talk to you, too. Thanks for reading. Our audience always enjoys that. Of course, you read a passage from your new book, The Exquisite, the Exquisite Machine, which we'll be talking about, and you'll be talking about it at your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. And I wonder if we could just start there. Why don't you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and maybe how you'll use Zoom uh, to engage our audience. We're all on Zoom these days, and I think it's uh, it's a great way to kind of include our audience and I think our audience likes it too. Well actually it's a, it's wonderful to be on Zoom because it's much easier than writing the book. Heart heart science is very visual, very visual and it's very frustrating. I can't even put uh, a, a, many images in the book because they're, they're always constrained. But and I can't put moving images. So I'm I'm happy to to be able to show uh, the viewers um, some very nice videos of what we've been doing. Um, uh, so, so first of all, I want to just start in my presentation with a little plug for the, the heart, you know, to say a positive thing, because I'm going to go on to, to talk about disease. But, you know, it really is a, an amazing organ. It lasts, for most people, for many people, it lasts you your whole of your lifetime without, you know, not without um, you know, giving up on you. And um, then, then we do have to go into disease. And obviously, I'm going to describe the kind of risk factors that people know about cholesterol and, and uh, blood pressure briefly. But also there's a fair few things I think people are going to be surprised about. They don't know about there are risks to the heart that are emerging from many of things like the big data that I have just described. That's been very interesting to, to see that. And so then um, I, um, I'm going to also show how there's this initial damage to the heart, often from a heart attack when you lose the muscle or something like that. But what happens then is that the, the body itself now um, uh, senses the loss of power of the heart and tries to overstimulate it. And there's a second wave of damage that's specifically caused by the body's response, which comes from deep evolutionary time, um, uh, that actually makes everything worse. So all the things we have now um, are... are really to stop the initial damage, like statins for cholesterol, and to stop the damage that your body is, is, is going to do to your heart. Um, so so uh, that's uh, an interesting thing to understand. And what should people suffer from after that is heart failure, which is quite different from a heart attack. I just want to uh, draw the difference bet between those things. And then get into the bit of the science, I, the big data I've mentioned. Um, I don't have time to do all of it, but uh, something particular on the stem cell biology and there's some really fascinating stuff that's coming out of the, the stem cell biology today. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, th this does sound fascinating. And and I really get this idea from you that that the heart is this exquisite machine. I love the use of that word exquisite. It, it, it says a lot, I think. And and I wonder if you maybe go into a little bit more detail about what you mean by this exquisite machine. Well, it's it is a pump, so so a machine. But exquisite means how beautifully and finely made it is. This is it's it, it's exquisitely wrought, as it were. And one of the things I'm going to try and get across is that all the problems we have with trying to repair the heart or mimic the heart by making artificial hearts is because the heart is so incredibly well made that 
it, it, it's the engineering is beyond anything we can do, and and we just disrupt it when we tr we try to do this. And so it's the heart's perfection that really stops us from going further with some of our our therapies. So, for example, I study the the individual muscle cells of the heart. There's about five billion in a heart, and so we dissociate the heart into the, those cells. And each of those cells in the dish. Uh, will beat like a little tiny heart. It, it's less than a, a thickness of a human hair, but it, it's beating away like a little tiny heart. And the heart is made up of these, and they're like some wonderful jigsaw, all uh, connected at multiple points, electrically and physically, mechanically. And so the heart then acts like one giant cell because they all these ones are, are coupled so beautifully. And to say the heart really, you know, your hair grows all the time, your liver can regenerate, but it's always been such a mystery as to why the heart doesn't regenerate. There's got a very slow turnover, about 1% of the cells, those muscle cells per year is repaired. And so you will have about half of those muscle cells will be with you right from birth, right through to when you're 85, 90 to, to death. So that, that little cell I'm looking at in the dish can go for 85 years or 90 or 100 years. It's incredible. It is incredible. And, and you write about this, The you know, and as a matter of fact, speaking of the heart being well made, you, you write about the subject of plasticity, which I had always associated with the brain and, and the, the brain's kind of ability to to perhaps change an environment and be malleable even. You know, that's a, that's a word that I've, I've read uh, associated with the brain and plasticity. Mm. Does the heart rewire itself to contend uh, with damage and repair? Yeah, tell us, please. Yes, it, it, it does. It, it, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's the plasticity of the heart, the way the heart responds on – millisecond time scales or second or hour or, or week time scales depending on what it's trying to respond to that uh, allows it to um be the be the best heart it can be in a way um so for example those little cells i'm talking about they can get longer they can double or triple their length they can get wider and so the heart can get thicker or it can become sort of like a big and baggy so it has a very large volume. So even a weak beat can expel quite a lot of blood. Uh, you know, in pregnancy, it's, it's uh, you know, in, in its volume will go up by 50 percent and then return very quickly. Um, so it's it's uh, you know, it can respond on all those different time scales to depending on what's needed. We think of sometimes you know, the lobe of an ear as almost being able to regenerate itself. Are you, is that kind of what you're referring to? Um, if you're meaning um, the regeneration, repair, repairing itself, itself yes. like your skin does or, or, yeah, yes, yeah. or your hair grows, uh -huh. but your heart has that, that repair, that regeneration function is, is, is kept at a very low level in the heart. And, and, and one of the th things we've, we've understood is that, um, there's quite a good reason for that. When we've we've done uh, a lot of work on this and to try and stimulate that very uh, modest level of regeneration, indeed it has worked. And so if, if you say with pigs, um, if if you we've used a, a, a sort of gene therapy vector to introduce something that stimulates the regeneration then if, if the pig uh, with a heart attack the pig will regenerate that part of the heart really quite quickly but um, a couple of months later 
then the heart becomes disorganized. Too much of the heart is regenerating. And so it disturbs that perfect structure because every time a cell regenerates, it has to lose its, its structure. It has to break down, it has to divide, and then it has to build up its structure again. And so if too many of the cells are doing that at once, then all that intrinsic structure of the heart is now disrupted and it can disturb the rhythm fatally in some cases. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. We are with Dr. Sean Harding. Dr. Sean Harding will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out our website for more information about Dr. Harding's presentation, which is entitled The Exquisite Machine, The New Science of the Heart. We're talking with Dr. Harding today about her new book, The Exquisite Machine. Dr. Harding, I want to talk for just a second about um, about what you just mentioned, how the heart responds. and Because... I, I know in my research of you in anticipation of our conversation, you know, I read about the electrical uh, influences, the, the rhythm of the heart, but there is also an emotional uh, response that the heart uh, offers that, that you've researched. And, and when we think of some of these terms like a broken heart, that really isn't, uh, you know, prob- that, that probably is true. The heart can break. And so I wonder, and perhaps emotionally break too. So, Tell us about how the heart can be damaged through emotional experience and how it responds. So, uh, yes, that, that it's absolutely true. You, you can die of a broken heart. They, they, you're statistically more likely to die the day after the day or, or a couple of days after your partner dies, your spouse dies, uh, than you are at any other time during that year and and the risk is starts off very high just after it and then drops over about a course of about six months and so the the what we're looking at here is um a very strong sudden uh shock emotional shock and this gives is it is produced by the same uh, hormone adrenaline that would cause uh, that you would have a strong exercise physical exercise so or um, or uh, or uh, something like a fright like during a natural disaster one of the broken heart syndromes was discovered during some earthquakes in in um, uh, in Japan but also other things like sport and and um, uh, you know football I'm talking about English football here because we're English, but uh, during yes, during, the, during the but it's the same <laughs> for other sports too. Um, during <laughs> yes. during the World Cup, for example, the um, and this is no you know very routinely, the rate of heart disease goes uh, heart conditions people coming into hospital with heart trauma goes up by thirty percent um, just around Hands. that time. Yes, 
<laughs> the, fan, yes, the fans' response. <laughs> yeah, especially it's it's not playing the sport; it's watching the sport. Especially penalty shootouts, apparently. Um, that that really is. Uh, there was there was one with England Germany, and there was a real spike of heart problems after that. Um, so uh, so bereavement though is is a just is one of these strong uh, stresses that that causes this um, uh, this adrenaline surge. Um, it, it can cause what it can cause is is an actual death. So the the sudden cardiac death uh, syndrome, where basically your heart rhythm is so disrupted, it's the, what these surgeons when they see it call it, it's like a bag of worms. And so adrenaline has stimulated your heart so strongly, it's really disrupted the rhythm and it can't pump blood. And so that's when you need a defibrillator. So that's when a person might just drop uh, to the ground unconscious and without a pulse. And, and that's when you need a defibrillator within four minutes or, or you're a goner sort of thing or, or CPR. And so um, that that is that is one thing. Uh, now, uh, just 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 mentioning because this will be relevant in a minute, that that is most often about 80% of the time that's uh, uh, seen in men. Uh, so uh, that's about 80% of the people have sudden cardiac death are men. There's another one which is very specific to postmenopausal women, and it manifests in a different way, and it's particularly called uh, broken heart syndrome. It's also called Takatsubu syndrome because it, the heart goes into a weird shape basically what happens is uh, just after one something like uh, this very strong emotional stress uh, a, a woman with, uh, will have uh, think they're having a heart attack going to hospital with all the signs of a heart attack with um, uh, the electrical signs with the chest pain uh, with the, the, the extreme fatigue etc but when they, they look at the heart it's not there's no blockages in the arteries, which you'd think for a heart attack. But what you see is the heart is contracting in a really odd way. And it looks like a, the, this octopus pot, this Takatsubu pot this, that the Japanese doctors saw. Um, it's uh, The heart is beating very strongly in one place and then very weakly or not at all in another place. And so it's like a heart failure. And um, this, it can be fatal, about 5% of times it is. But uh, afterward, but many people, uh, and there are some men have this too, uh, but it's, it's sort of 80% women, um, they will walk out of the hospital in a, a couple of days or, or a week, with, with apparently completely cured. And it wasn't until they had this very particular kind of imaging that they saw that this strange shape. So... Before that, presumably, people were coming into hospital saying, I think I'm having a heart attack. And then they got better. They just sort of got better by themselves. And people thought, oh, well, fine. Perhaps it was just an anxiety attack or something. And, and, and they went out, but they, did, and they didn't realize that they had this Takatsubu syndrome. So um, that's also caused by adrenaline. And what we found is, in our experiments particularly, that um, it's uh, adrenaline here is is switching over from its this normal kind of thing that it stimulates the heart to uh, one where it shuts down the heart, uh, completely contradictory to what it normally does. And what we uh, so 
we 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 managed to reproduce that um, in uh, some anaesthetized rats. Obviously, you can't cause rats terrible stress, but you could. What we did was we anaesthetized them, and we gave them a dose that's equivalent to a person getting, uh, you know, like an EpiPen for anaphylaxis. You know, when people get allergies, they have an EpiPen, and that can cause uh, this Takotsubi syndrome, this broken heart syndrome. And so we, we sort of modified the dose to make it rat sized. And we could show that just one hit of adrenaline would cause this strange shape. Anyway, we, we did some research. And we understood what the what this 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 whole process of shutting down the heart was. And so we, we put in a, a drug that would block it um, and it did block it. And, and so that didn't happen. But what happened was that the the. Then there was uh, something, or this atrial, this, fibri this ventricular fibrillation. So it had switched it from the a sort of Takotsubu-like phenotype, where most people survive, to the sudden cardiac death phenotype. Um, so, uh, which was very surprising to us. We thought we'd be cured, but actually, we just made something worse. And so, um, obviously, that's not what we want to do. And uh, so we never did that to people. Um, and uh, what we're thinking is that the this shutting down of the heart, this 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 strange modification of the effect of adrenaline, is like a protective mechanism to protect the heart from something worse, some, the, the sudden cardiac death. So I think that's uh, quite a, a, an interesting, but if slightly complicated phenomenon. Fascinating stuff. Again, the title of the book is The Exquisite Machine. Our guest today is Dr. Sean Harding. Dr. Harding will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out our website for more information. Dr. Harding, I know you're very busy. We appreciate your time and, and your reading to us. I just have one final question for you. I wonder if just give us a sense, a brief sense of some of the current scientific developments, the advancements really that are that are surrounding the heart Um and, and, and this really just magnificent, magnificent organ in our body. Well, well, one of the most exciting ones that I'm going to talk about is the use of, of stem cells. Now, um, embryonic stem cells were was uh, slightly problematic. I mean, people may have heard of those. But what's been, what somebody just someone won, won the Nobel Prize about 10 years ago for um, – understanding how to reprogram ordinary cells like some of, your, some of your skin cells or you could take some of your blood and you could turn back the clock on them so they were like stem cells and stem cells can make any cell in the, in the body and so you turn your skin back and so it's not skin anymore it's stem cells and then we learned how to make those into cardiac cells so you can Put a sort of cocktail on them, and in about three weeks, they will start to beat. And and we can make them very pure, 98% pure, and we can make very large numbers of them. So we can make something the size of the palm of your hand, for example. There's just a beating mass of, of cells. And of course, it's got the same genes as you then. So if you were to put it back in your heart, so your heart had been damaged, because it came from your skin, it's, it's genetically matched. Whereas if you have a heart transplant, that's not because it's come from somebody else. And so you, 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 you reject it and, and you have to have immunosuppressants. So you, your immune system doesn't reject it. But theoretically, at least you should be able to, uh, to accept this, this tissue that's been made from you. And, and so I, I go through that and, and uh, what, what uh, all the sort of potential that that has. Of course, one other thing you can do is 
if if you did have something wrong with your heart, if you had a mutation or something, that comes out in the cells. If they have an, we show, I show something we got from a family who had a mutation that has a rhythm disturbance in the heart, and you can see it in in the the cells that come out of the the the, the cells they make from the the skin, making them into heart cells. Now they've got the same rhythm disturbance, so you can test drugs on them. Um, and, and that's been done. They've tested drugs on them and they've given them to the patient. So um, just this is now at a very exciting time because we there was some very, very small trials started a couple of years ago and only about a month or two ago. We had some first reports from them that this was safe and they were seeing some evidence that it was doing some good. So we we're at a really exciting time with that research. Dr. Sean Harding has been our guest today. Dr. Sean Harding is going to be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates. Dr. Harding has written this fantastic new book. Dr. Harding, the, the book is getting rave reviews online for being just this great resource and being very approachable in its science. The title, again, is The Exquisite Machine, The New Science of the Heart. Dr. Harding, thank you for your time today, helping us understand all of these um, solutions and the heart's response. It's been great talking to you. And thank you. Thank you for letting me uh, have this platform to talk. Thank you. Our review today is from Nicole B. Plumley. It's from September 29th, 2022. Nicole gave us a five-star rating on the site, and Nicole says, I have been listening for a long time, repeatedly. I don't know how many more times I will listen, I imagine, forever, every time I love this podcast. Thanks, Nicole. My thanks to Nicole and to all of you who have supplied and provided some of these wonderful ratings. They mean a lot, so please keep it up. My thanks, of course, to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to Dr. Sean Harding for her generous time reading and answering all my questions. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better show audience on radio and podcast. Please be well and be safe, which, if you've been listening, you know I'm telling you every single episode to be safe. It's followed by my message to eliminate assault rifles. Only members of the military use these weapons. Assault rifles are killing our children and grandchildren in the very places they learn, school. Let's do better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Inside Science. Interview series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.